Hey, this is Jason Hubbard, and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. I can't believe it, but we are stepping into the final week of 21 days of prayer. How many have enjoyed prayer so far? A few people, good. The rest of you have one more week, okay. So don't worry. But it's been so awesome to be able to pray together. We've had two incredible prayer times together at the church offices. This week is the final one of those, Wednesday night at 7 p.m. at the church offices is a time for us to be able to seek God together. They have been rich and beautiful times and we would invite you to be able to come and be a part of that. We put together a couple resources for you. One is a prayer card that looks like this. Um, They are available at Guest Central as you go out the doors, as you leave. There's this, and it just gives you a prayer point and topic for each day with a verse attached to it. This doesn't have to be the entirety of what you pray, but it helps us to kind of centralize our prayers around a kind of a thought and a theme for that day. So you can pick one of those up if you haven't already. They're also available on the website. We also have this really, really cool guide that's called the Pray First Guide. And uh, if you have one, we've had these available for a few years and and different things, but they are also available out there. Really cool resource if you're just stepping into the world of prayer and trying to figure out how to do this. It walks you through how to pray the Lord's Prayer. And it walks you through, uh, it even walks you through some of the tabernacle and how the tabernacle was set up and in our ability to be able to approach God. It's really cool. And those are out there. Those only cost $14.95, checks payable to Jason Hubbard. Um, And... uh, No, I'm kidding. They're free. Oh my goodness. Uh, So they're free. You can grab one and take it with you and, uh, and, and be able to go on this journey together. Okay, corporate prayer times, that's this week. And finally, we are jumping into our fall small group semester. Small group semester. There we go. I can't talk. Come on. Small group semester. You know, don't worry about it. I was just worshiping, so now I have to transition to talking. So it's fine. It's fine. Uh, small groups are right here and it is going to be awesome. Uh, the semester kicks off on September 11th and goes until December 10th. A uh, couple dates for you to be, uh, to be aware of though. On August 21st and 28th, which is the next two Sundays, uh, if you are interested in leading a small group and you've never led one before, this is for people that who have not led one before, is you can join, you can sign up to do that and join us right after service for the next two Sundays. Sundays with Larry. Larry, raise your hand right here. There's Larry. Okay. Actually, stand up so people can see you. Let's give a hand for Larry. Come on. Larry is amazing. He does so much around here. He oversees our small groups and does a fantastic job. He will be walking you through a training these next two Sundays. You don't have to come to both. It's one or the other. And you can come walk through what small groups here at One Life look like, and uh, and you can go on that journey. If none of those dates work, we do have a by request only Zoom option on Wednesday evening, the 24th. It's going to be at 7 p.m. If you can't make one of those times, you can do Zoom, but you have to sign up for it so that we know that you're going to come. Okay. So if you're interested in that, okay. And then we're going to get ready to kick off groups and it is going to be 
Super fun. I'm really excited. All right. We're a note-taking church, which means that we steward and we take down what God is speaking to us so that we can process it during the week. We can uh, look to him and we can just see what he wants to speak to us out of his word. And, uh, and so you can download those right to your phone. They're fill in the blanks so you can follow along, which sometimes fill in the blanks are like, awesome because you can focus and it's great. I love filling the blanks. So you can do that and then you can save them to go back to later. So you can get that. Okay. Uh, we're in prayer and, uh, anybody, anybody into like memes? Okay. I got a few prayer memes for you. Okay. First one, let's put this up. Please bless me to have patience. God's answer traffic. Be careful what you pray for, right? Anybody would agree with that? Like, yes, God, give me patience. No, no, not patience for traffic. All right. Next one. Okay. Two different prayers right here. Deliver us from evil and give us today our daily bread. (laughs) Two of them happening at the same time. I love that. See who has the more powerful prayer life. Just kidding. All right. And when you know it's God's plan, but you're still scared. (laughs) Anybody ever been there before? (laughs) Raise your hand, right? Is this real? Are we doing this? Okay, next one. When people trying to push your buttons, but you fresh out of your prayer closet, like. (laughs) And I think, do we have another one? Okay, (laughs) when you've started eating and someone starts praying. (laughs) This, this is all of my children, <laughs> the biggest mouthful. And is that it? Or do we have more? We have more. Okay. When your squad or your friends is praying in a circle and you're up next and everyone has already said everything. Okay. That's real. Who's ever been there? What am I, what am I going to, what am I going to pray about? And this one, someone took the famous line from the office. Sometimes I'll start a prayer and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way. It's like improv prayer and prayer. Thankfully, prayers don't have to be rehearsed, right? We don't have to come with a a perfect, no, no. Prayer is just a conversation. It's a dialogue between us and the creator of the universe, which I think is cool. Um, So yes, so those are fun things to just lighten your day a little bit. All right. Last week, we talked about remaining. How many got something out of last week where it kind of impacted your week this week? Um, I know when we, every time we talk about distractions and techniques and, and, and tactics that the enemy uses to try to pull us away, it can be kind of a sobering thing because I think if we take a valuation of our life, um, it, all, it, it does affect us to some degrees. And we find areas in our life where we've maybe been pulled away, where we've been a little bit distracted and where we've replaced a little bit of what we should be spending our time on in our relationship with God with other things, right? I think we all have that from time to time. So it's a good thing for us to be able to really reevaluate and go back to, to understand, to make sure that we're processing it right. Um, The key is this, and just remember this, that whatever we don't intentionally pursue, we will unintentionally miss, okay? So so whenever we go to a place of wanting to pursue God and our relationship with him, it has to be very intentional. I, I, I don't know about you, but I find so many times in life that if I'm not really intentional about something, I'm not gonna do it, right? It just doesn't happen. 
It's, it's just the, the way it is. I wish it was different, but it's not. Just ask my wife and all the projects around the house. Uh, you know, I'm just waiting on the Lord for which one to process first and to take on first. And he hasn't given me a sign yet, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> she's, she's shaking her head. She doesn't agree. Unbelievable. Today, we're going to take the next step from this place of remaining to the understanding of what it means to actually request, to make petitions to the Lord. Um, Because these two go hand in hand, and there is this powerful reality that we as God's people get to pray things into existence, that our prayer life has power, that when we pray, it actually activates things in the spiritual realm that affect and, and infect the natural realm. And so for us to be able to understand that, that there is an element where we now come before the Lord and ask and petition. But the key is, is that it has to come from a place of first remaining in Christ. And I'm going to tie these two things today together so that we understand how we can come before the Lord and how we can request before him. What's the proper biblical way to be able to do that? And then how those are tied in with the importance of remaining. The the verse that we're pulling this out of of John 15, where we've been the last few weeks, is verse 7. And it says this, that if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it'll be done for you. Now, it would be really cool to have just the second part of that verse. Ask whatever you want, and it'll be done for you. How many think that would be really cool? Whatever you want. Wow. But the first part is the key. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Which means that the remaining shapes the requesting. That has to happen first before we even petition anything before the Lord. And here's why this is important. That when and if, but when and our wants and and the things that we pray for and the things in our requests will be shaped into God's and we will then ask according to his will. It's only when we spend time with the Lord that he can renew our mind so that we can actually process life the way he processes life. If we try to short circuit that, what'll happen every single time is we'll start praying for things and we'll start believing for things with lots of faith. But if we haven't spent time with God, we don't actually really know if that's his will will or not. And so we have to be able to remain which then forms a request. The goal of all of this, the goal of remaining is about aligning our heart to God's rather than changing his heart. Our prayers do not get God to do things. Our prayer life and our requests are to request our hearts to be aligned with his so that when we pray and when we request that it's according to his will because he's spoken these things into our life. Now, this parallel passage that we talked about in 1 John, which is parallel to John 15, in 1 John 5, it says this, in 1 John 5 and verse 14, sorry, this is getting distracted. Fix it. 5 verses 14. Uh, This is the confidence that we have before him, 
that if we ask anything, key here, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked for. So this is the powerful thing. This is where it gets into the will of God thing. If we're praying according to his will and we're praying his purposes into, the king, into, into what we see around here, if we're praying those things, then we're gonna see things activated in this, from the spiritual realm into the natural realm. But here's the key for us, and this is your first blank here, is to see the power of God, we have to align with the will of God. We pray for the power of God to be released. God, we want your power. We want your healing. We want your signs and we want your wonders. Well, have we stopped first to say, God, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So whatever that looks like, I want to see it released right here and now. Whatever your will is for this season, I want your will to be done. Now, the interesting thing is, and this is the really cool thing, is that as we ask that and as we pursue it from that perspective, God wants to pour out his power. He wants to be able to perform signs and wonders and miracles in our midst. He wants to be able to cause revival to take place. He wants these things to happen. But it's the posture of saying, God, I don't know everything, and I know you do. So I'm going to pray your will. And that as I pray your will, your power will be released the way that you want it to be released. Because it might not look like the way we think. In fact, a lot of times it doesn't look like the way we think. But if we're praying according to his will, it doesn't throw us off when God answers in a way that maybe we didn't expect. Okay? Because we're praying his will. And so then when God does however he does it, in whatever way he does it, in whatever timing, we go, yes. Yes, rather than, well, God, you didn't do it my way. Like I had a totally different expectation of what that was going to look like. Well, that's nice. Enjoy that. (laughs) The expectation that we have of God is that he will always perform his will. So if we expect that, then it shapes everything else. Okay? So it's all about his agenda not ours. And this is why it's so important to remain. Too many times we try to shortcut this. Too many times we just try to get to the point rather than forming the relationship first. And this is the caution, is that if we seek the miracle above the miracle worker, we turn the miracle into an idol. Okay? If we're praying for something to happen... And we want to see a breakthrough and a miracle take place. When I had my brain tumor, you better believe the prayer was, hey, God, you can come and zap that thing and get rid of it. And I don't have to do surgery, any of this kind of stuff. It'll just be gone. That's the prayer, right? But if, if I was holding on to that as the answer, then when I got out of surgery... And the whole process of having to go through surgery and God causing a miracle to take place of the, of the preservation of my life, even through surgery, then I would have looked at it and said, God didn't answer my prayer. Do you, do you see the difference here? The difference is I have to come and I have to say, God, I want to seek the miracle worker because you know how miracles work. 
and you know how all of this is supposed to happen. So if I have to go through surgery and I have to come out on the other side and I have to go through this healing process of all that, then by all means, because it's your will and you're the miracle worker. And at the end of the day, if all of that brings me closer to you as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and as my father and my God and my healer, then I'm all for it. So this is, this is what we have to adjust this here, right? And, and, and here's, here's why this is important, because otherwise it can become need-based. We just approach God when our needs need to be met. Yeah, I have this need. I, I was reading something that was very interesting, and at the time of the Israelites and the Hebrews, when they were in captivity in Egypt, there is recorded, recorded, 1,500 named gods. Fit. 1,500. And they were all need-based. If you needed this, you would go to this God. If you needed this, you would go. If you needed this with this variation, you would go to this God, right? There was all of these things and it was all need-based. I need this. I need this. So I'm going to go talk to this person. I need this. And so I'm going to go talk to this person. With our God, it's different because we get to approach in relationship, learn what it means to remain in him and have him meet the needs the way that he wants because he's sovereign. I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful that God knows my life better than I do. I'm so thankful that he knows my tomorrow and that he holds my future. I'm so thankful that that's not in my hands. (laughs) Anybody else? (laughs) I bet you're thankful that my life is not in my hands. Thank you, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much, thank you. Our life is not in our hands, our life is in his hands. Okay, so it's all relational. We have to approach from this kind of a perspective. Now, the will of God, when we actually are are asking for the will of God to happen, this is where it can get a little bit of confusing and there can be a little bit of a mystery around it. And and I just want to present this today that I think that we overcomplicate the will of God. Okay, Now, there is a balance because there is an element of the will of God that only comes as we pursue to find an answer. Like that's how it's supposed to work because we're seeking God and as we seek God, he brings answers and he brings revelation of his will. And so there are elements of his will that are mysterious and are to be found out. And most of those things have to do with our direction of life. As we pursue God and as we remain in him, he will guide the direction of our steps. Proverbs 3, don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight, right? So there's this element of the discovery of the will of God. However, the overall will of God is not a mystery. The overall will of God is actually really, really obvious, And it's very clear. You know why? Because he told us in here. We we asked the question, God, what's your will? Well, read and you'll find out. See, see, we we overcomplicate it. What what does God want? What's what's his will? He's already told us. It's not a mystery. The only mystery to it is if we have not done our part to pursue the answers that are in here then it's a mystery because we sit there going, God, what's your will? And he's going, well, I, 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 I told you, but it, here you go again, yeah. <laughs> right? 
So for us, we need to understand that there is an overall will of God that's clearly laid out in scripture. Now, I was studying this word will, and I thought this was really cool. I've never had this happen before. So this was a Holy Spirit thing. And it created a very different picture for me that actually got me really excited about the will of God and pursuing him in relationship and all of this kind of stuff, okay? The Greek word for the word will is the word thelema. Thelema. Probably butchering how you say that, but that's okay. I have the microphone. Um, <laughs> so the Greek, thelema, all right? Now here's what it means. It's the desires of someone or the purposes of someone. So the will of God are the desires and the purposes of God. Again, really clearly articulated in here. I don't think any of us would argue and go, I don't know what God's desires are. Well, if we read the book, we see all of the things that desire that is desire. If we want to read his purposes, we have books of the Bible on the purposes of God right? We can read through Old Testament and New Testament to determine what the will of God is and what his desires and what his purposes are. But here's the cool thing that God opened up this week. And I just loved this. Not only does it mean the desires and the purposes, but the will of God is what brings him delight. What is pleasing to the Lord. So I read those words and I'm a words guy. So words are, are like very, very full, right? The meanings of them. And I read those words and I'm like, now, wait a second, wait a second. So it's not this pursuit that God, okay, I need to align with your will and whatever you want to have happen, just go ahead and do it. That feels really dry. But if my desire and my pursuit is to find what pleases my God, what what brings him delight? Boy, that, that puts a whole other motivation behind everything I do. It's not like I just need to figure out what he wants to do so he can do it. No, 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 no. What pleases my God? What, what brings him delight? And it changes the whole approach of this. Number two on your notes. The will of God is the fulfillment of his purposes, which brings him delight. It's the fulfillment of his purposes, which brings him delight. God is pleased when the things are functioning the way that they were intended to. Okay, give you an example. If we go all the way back to the beginning of the book, Genesis 1. In creation, God would create and then he would say what? It was good. Why? because it was functioning according to its intended purpose. Where it stopped being good was where sin entered the world. But everything, well, actually up until, you know, Adam realized he couldn't be by himself, that wasn't good. <laughs> this boy, they had FOMO like nobody's business. I need somebody, I need somebody, I'm missing out. Not really, <clears throat> it was God's plan anyway. But, but, for us to be able to discover this from the very beginning, God's purposes are those things that bring him when they function the way that they are supposed to. In the Bible, if you were to go through and, and look through, um, there are very, very clear things that bring God 
pleasure, that delight him. In fact, a really cool thing to do, and this is actually something that, that is, would just bolster your prayer time and your devotional time, is do a Google search, or you can go to, a, it's called Blue Letter Bible. It's a website or Bible Hub. They're all free search tools and everything. You go in there and you just type um, uh, pleasing to God or delight, God delights in. And you just do a search and it'll pull up all the scriptures in the Bible that have to do with that. And then what we can do is we can start writing those things down and praying those things in our prayer life because we understand these are the things that please God. It's not, it's not hard to find. It's, it's one search and, and there'll be a bunch of them. And equally so, there are things in the Bible. Hebrews 6 and Proverbs 6 talks about things that God hates. So as much as we want to understand the things that please God and delight God, there are things that we need to be aware of that he hates. It's real. There are things that the Bible says he hates. So I think that in our pursuit of God and in our desire to remain in God and in our desire to to bring him something that is pleasing to him, we better get familiar with the things that please him and the things that he doesn't like. Right? Right? Sorry, this thing is really distracting. I don't know what's going on with it today. Demons in the name of Jesus. All right. So we have to be aware of that, okay? The pursuit of God is the pursuit of his character. It's the pursuit of his personality. It's the pursuit of his likes and his dislikes. He's not some far off being that just lives up in this realm that we can't have any access to. No, he has a character. He has a a personality. He has likes and dislikes. He has things that make him happy and things that make him sad. And so like any relationship, if I want a relationship to grow, I better learn those things so that I then can be able to meet that person where they're at. This is what's important about why we first want to remain before we just request. You can see why last week is so important. Because last week talked about this idea of of just being. And we have to fight for it because we have to be able to come to a place and say, God, I want to know you. I want to know who you are. Before I do anything else, before I function out of this day, let me see your face. The beautiful picture of Joshua. When when Moses would go back to his responsibilities, Joshua would, would, would remain. He would remain so that he could really learn who God was. I think our our desire, our purpose, our function, our passion should be to learn God more and more every single day. Now, Now get this, his will is laid out, his overall will, and there's the discovery of his personal will every day. But did you know this? His character and his personality is infinite. That means you could spend every day for the rest of your life pursuing God and who he is and you would find out something new every single day. Which I think is really neat. Right? We're not sitting there going, yeah, well, it's the same guy I knew yesterday. You know, like, he unlocks a different level of who he is. And you're like, whoa, 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 wow. And that helps us to be able to process requesting when things are according to his will. So then there's a question when it comes to the will, and then we'll go on to the next part. There's a question that comes when we talk about the will of God. So I pray for things to happen, right? I pray for things that I think are his will, are good things to happen. Healing, 
I pray for healing to take place and it doesn't happen the way that I think, right? Why not? Because isn't God about healing? Well, yes, but there's an element as we pursue the heart of God and as we tap into what the will of God is that is all wrapped in this thing called trust. Because what we have to do is come to a place of saying, God, I am praying this because it's, I, be, I believe it's your will, but I'm going to trust you are Lord and I'm gonna trust your answer and I'm gonna trust your timing and I'm gonna trust that, that the way you're going to do it is so much better than the way I could ever do that. And what trust does, it actually puts down and lays down the expectations that we hold on to, Okay because then it's all about him and what he wants to do and the fulfillment of his plans and purposes. And for us, it's the discovery of those things. You see how these two things work together? So, so remaining and requesting. Now, so, so, so then if we need to learn what brings God delight, the question is, how do we do that? How do we learn what brings God delight? How, how, do, how do we learn? Now, these are gonna be very, very simple, but I wanna say them again because these are the things that the enemy will absolutely work overtime in our life to get in the way of. So when I say these, these are not gonna be new. In fact, you're gonna look at them and be like, yeah, I'm not even gonna write that down because I already knew that. I'm not saying you'll do that. I'm just saying they're really obvious, okay? The first one is this, is to spend time with him. Okay, again, not rocket science, but I think we would all agree in this room that the enemy doesn't want us to spend time with him. See, there's all kinds of nasty stuff to get us distracted and get our eyes off of Christ. There is absolutely no substitute for spending time with God. There's no shortcut. There's nothing that can take the place of carving out time in your schedule where you push everything else aside to just be with him. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you talk the whole time. Or it doesn't mean that you worship the whole time. It could be that you just sit and listen and let his presence overwhelm you. My, my day starts at, at 5 a.m. And that's just me. Like, that's, don't try to do that because I don't recommend it. <clears throat> 5 a.m. And a lot of the times what I do, partly because I'm half asleep <laughs> and partly because I think that this is so key, is just to sit not say a word and let him come and say what he wants to say, not just my agenda. When we can learn to do that, that's one of the greatest spiritual disciplines we can do is learn how to be quiet so we can listen to the creator. So we do this. We spend time with him. David spent, this, this is so cool. I get jealous of David. David spent hours with God every day when he was out in the field. He had the sheep, and there were times that sheep needed help, but there were times that the sheep were just lame and laying there and <laughs> handling themselves. And what David would be able to do is spend hours of uninterrupted time with God. How cool would that be? I'd encourage you to try it. You know, we, we plan vacations and we plan vacation time. I think it's equally as important to plan time away with the Lord. Yeah. Maybe it's you take a day and you say, you know what? I'm gonna take a vacation day 
And I'm going to go up and drive into the foothills or I'm going to go out in the middle of nowhere and I'm going to sit by a river and I am just going to spend the whole day and preferably in a place where my cell phone doesn't work and I'm going to go so that I can just be with God. What would happen if we did that? It'd be powerful because we're spending time with him. John 3 talks about Nicodemus and I love the feel of John. And, the, and, and I love the feel of this interaction with Nicodemus. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to him at night. He, he came. He didn't wait for Jesus to seek him out. He sought Jesus out so that he could spend time with him. And was it at a convenient time in the middle of the day when everybody else... No, at, at night. If our pursuit is of God, what are the things that we would push past in order to make sure that we actually met with him? Nicodemus said, I'll do it at night. I, I will go at night and I will stay up all night so that I can have a minute with you and I can ask questions and I can hear your wisdom and I can hear you speak into my life. He said, it doesn't matter. I'll go at night. It's totally fine. Why? because he just wanted to spend time with him for us to have that desire. The second thing, the second thing is listen to what he has said in his word. Listen to what he said in his word. I can only learn the will of God by listening intently to what he says. And he's given us this whole thing, beautiful, beautiful in scripture. 2 Timothy three sixteen says this, that all scripture is inspired by God. There's not one word that was not inspired by God. That's cool. All of this is inspired by God and it's profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in his righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. If we want to get to know God and we want to learn what the will of God is, we better intake his words. We better make that a priority. And, and the third one is this, is we ask questions to better know him. We ask questions. Did you know that you can actually ask questions to God? He actually welcomes your questions. If you're wrestling with something and you're like, God, I don't get this. He wants those questions. He loves those questions because it's an opportunity for him to reveal himself to you in a way that maybe you haven't experienced before. He wants the questions. What are the questions in your heart about God, about life, about what's going on that you are afraid to ask anybody else because you are afraid of what they're gonna think of you or you're afraid of the condemnation and the guilt and the shame of asking that kind of a question? You can ask those of God and there's no shame. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation. You come with any question that you want and he will answer that question. Any question. This is, this is the God he is. He's full of love. Many, many times recorded through the gospels, the disciples, and, and in Mark 4.10 is one example. When he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. They, they asked him. They, 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 they pursued him to find out what the answers to these things were. And for us to be able to ask questions, asking questions actually does this too. It shows that we're interested. If I never ask anybody any questions, 
you can probably guesstimate that I don't even care. But if we ask questions, it means what? We actually are interested in what God's going to say. So these are some keys to how do we learn the will of God? You guys doing good? Okay. So I'm going to wrap it up with this. The keys to requesting. So once we've learned how to remain, and once we've first remained, and then out of that, our requests come as we learn the will of God and can pray according to the will of God, and we learn what pleases him, and we learn what brings him delight, and then we begin praying along those lines, something powerful happens. But in order for that to happen, in order to bridge the gap from the remaining and the requesting, there's three very, very important things that have to take place. And Luke 11 tells us this. Oh, now I'm really spiritual. That's awesome. Luke 11 says this. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Seemingly three just words that Jesus chose, but they actually tie into each other, okay? The first one is ask. We ask something because we lack it. So if there is something that we are asking God for, it's because that doesn't exist. James 1 says, if you are lacking in wisdom, ask for it. If you are lacking, if you don't have it, that's okay, but ask for it. It indicates that we have a need and we are turning to the only one who can meet that need in our life. It's a sign of surrender. It's a sign of coming before him and saying, God, I am dependent on you above everything. And I need you above everything. It speaks, asking speaks of making a petition or, or boldly declaring our requests. Boldly asking for his will actually means we open our mouths. Our words have power to create life. Your words have power. And there are things in prayer and in our requests, there are things that can only happen when we vocalize prayer because vocalizing prayer will unlock things that thoughts will not be able to do. You know, my, my prayer life is just internal and it's me just processing and thinking and, and, and having, which is great. There's a, there's a part of that that is right and meditating and waiting. But I would challenge you that if all your prayer life is, is just sitting and thinking, what if you were to take one step to verbalize some of that? because that's what God asks us to do. Verbalize it. Verbalize the asking. Let those words linger in the air and create life. To create things. This is what he's called us to do for praying according to his will. The second thing is this, is to seek. Once we've asked once we've recognized there's a thing in our life that we need, there is a need in our life that we absolutely are short on and that God is the only one who can solve, we ask for it. And then what we do is we stop and we seek the answer. We wait. 
This is where processing, this is where sitting in the presence of God, this is where just being and letting him bring the answer to the request that we've given in the way he wants, with the verbiage he wants, in the timing he wants, in the way he wants. These aren't disconnected things. These are actually very connected. You ask something that is needed and then you wait, actively wait for his answer. And we wait to see what he's going to say. Habakkuk 2 says it this way. I will stand at my guard post and station myself on the lookout tower. And I will watch to see what he will say to me. When we ask something of God, do we then position ourselves actively to actually hear what he's going to say? Because it is possible for us to, as we ask, to then miss what he's saying to us. Because that's all we do. We just ask, God, we, I need this and, 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 and according to your will and all this. And then we go on with life. And he's like, well, I have an answer for you. I, I, really, I, I do. I have an answer. If we were just to seek his answer and seek what he wants. And then finally, we knock. After we have asked and after we've waited and God has spoken about what we have asked for, the knocking is actually the activation of our faith to enter his promises. So we ask, God, I, I, I have a lack in this. I need your presence. I need your spirit. I need your will. I need your plan. We wait for his answer. And then when he communicates, it's an opportunity for us to then step into what he has. Knocking is an indication of the desire to enter. So what does knocking do in our, in our verbiage and in our prayer? It's telling God, okay, God, I want to step into your purposes for my life. I want to actually take a step forward in my faith. It may be uncomfortable. I may not have the whole plan figured out. You may have just told me the very first step of a whole journey of what it's going to mean to follow you. But I'm going to actively take my faith. I'm going to activate it. And I'm going to knock because I'm ready to step in to what you have. And then what happens is, as we've asked according to his will and we've waited for his response, we've sought him and we've allowed him to speak to us, then we knock and the door will be opened. And then we walk through. There's a process to these things. So as we go from remaining to requesting, we ask, we seek, we wait, and then we knock and we actively go after it. And the promise is, that if we ask according to his will and we seek, that he will answer. So let's be encouraged today in this. We remain, relationship is key, it's most important of all. And then we actually can ask God. When we learn who he is, there's something powerful that takes place when we ask and when we bring our petitions. You might have been in a place where maybe you've been really timid to bring things before the Lord. Maybe there's things in life that you're just like, I, I don't know even how to begin to pray about these things. Well, know this, that, our, 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 that God is our Father in heaven who loves us. And when you bring things before him, he's not gonna be like, well, that's not according to my will, so forget about it. No, 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 no. He's gonna, he's gonna hear it and he's gonna say, awesome. 
Now here's my heart. You, you have a question. You're searching. You're looking for an answer. You're looking for a sign. You're looking for a miracle to take place. Awesome. Now, now listen to what I have to say. And then we just position ourselves in a posture to hear from him, hear his plan and his purposes, and then pray along those lines. Amen? As we conclude service today, it all is about relationship. It's all about relationship and remaining in Christ. Like that's where it all begins. And I do not want to finish any service without giving everyone who's either watching online or in this room, who is far from God, who does not have a personal relationship with God. You can actually, you're allowed. You've been paid, made a way for you to be able to have a personal relationship with God, which is powerful. It's amazing. The creator of the universe wants a personal relationship with you. And all that you need to do, the Bible says, is to believe in your heart and declare with your mouth. I want to give you the opportunity to do that today. If you're at a place and you're like, you know, I want to get to know this God that you're talking about. Because I've tried it my way and it hasn't really worked out very good. But I I want that relationship. I, I genuinely want that relationship. He's here to begin that relationship with you today. In fact, he already did it. He began the relationship with you when he sent his son to die on the cross. He initiated relationship with you. And today, if you are far from Christ, you get to respond to that relationship and that invitation to relationship. So let's do this. We're all gonna pray together as a family. And, uh, and if you're wanting to pray that prayer today for the first time, or maybe you've been in relationship with God, walked away from him, wanna come back, pray this prayer today, believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And the Bible says you'll be saved and you begin that relationship with Jesus. So let's all pray this together. Say, Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. And I thank you that through your death and resurrection, I can be forgiven. And that you made a way for me to have a relationship with the Father. And today, I declare you are Lord of my life. And I want that relationship. I desire closeness with you today. I give you my life. I give you everything I am. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, whether it was the first time or, or it's a time that it's just God's really doing something in your life, I just want to say welcome to the family. Welcome to the family of God. You made a decision that begins a process of now growing in a relationship with God. And, and we're so happy that you have made this choice to enter in to that family. One Life, can we just do this? Can we put our hands together for everybody that made a decision to follow Christ today in the room or online?